0: Hey lovely freaks and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Amanda and I'm Hannah and if you're new here hello welcome. If you like things strange and unusual you can go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us and you can head on down to the description box and there'll be a Linktree link. Click on that and it'll take you to all of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. And all
1: that jazz. I was waiting for it. <laughs>
0: Wait patient. That's going to be our new thing. Um, So we're outside tonight, and yep. if so if you hear a little bit of rain, that's what that is. That's but just maybe, our
1: sound effects, guys. Yeah,
0: maybe it'll be a good amb- ambiance. I was about to say ambiance, too. Ambiance, because
1: I, cause I yeah. said earlier. <laughs>
0: uh, so, yeah, we are back. We took a pretty good long break. We didn't do an episode on Wednesday, but um, we're not gonna do one every Wednesday, obviously. like those are just bonus episodes. So, yeah, hopefully you guys are excited about our episode and fingers crossed because I think this weekend we will finally be on Spotify and Yay. iTunes. I'm almost positive. Um, I know I said that like every time, just about, but stuff has been coming up, man. Yeah. I was it's gonna do it this past than we week. It was be. Yeah. Well, I was going to do it this past week, but then, you know, mine and Corey's anniversary, and then Adeline got sick, and then it's just been one thing after another. Uh, January, like, flew by, but it also kind of had a lot of crap happen in it. Yeah. Not bad stuff, just a lot of stuff.
1: I keep stuff. forgetting it's 2021. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah.
0: I keep forgetting it's February. Like, January just, like, Oh, yeah, that's it's right. Gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, today, if you saw the title, then you know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Davis Walton. I'm sorry. I, I'm i even looking at it. Do you what? see? I said Davis. Oh. <laughs> Davis Walton. Travis. Travis. <laughs> Travis Walton. Walton. Um, abduction. So, Travis, this is a pretty, um, a lot of people know this one. It's a pretty famous one, I guess you would say. Have you ever heard of this abduction? No, maybe not. So. You might have once we start talking about it. But So this is an actual alien abduction. We haven't really talked about one of those yet, so I thought maybe we'd do that this time. And we're outside, so if you guys hear anything other than the rain, you know.
1: Um, hear me scream because I see something. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of scared that we're doing this outside and we're talking about aliens. Yeah. Aliens are just like, oh, okay. They're all just listening the spaceships
0: right are like piling up in the sky.
1: Oh, I love that story. It's the Tim story. It's Tim, Tim did that.
0: He was the one. He's the one that got... He, he got the guy.
1: Are talking um, about you, Tim? Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> okay.
0: Anyways. Okay. So, we're going to go ahead and get started. So, Travis Walton... And we don't really... I'm not really going to say anything much about, like, his past life or nothing like that. He wasn't a serial killer, so we're not going to go down that road. We're just going to kind of dive right into what happened the day he got abducted. So, first of all, he wrote a book um, after this, and it was called Fire in the Sky. And there was also a movie made in 1993 about this. But I think it was kind of like a low-budget movie. I didn't really see, like, any... Uh, I think Rotten Tomato give it, like, a... I don't know, like 20 or something, 20%. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't, like, super blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. So, Travis lived in a small town called Snowflake, and it was in eastern Arizona. So, this takes place in Arizona, and this is kind of crazy. All this takes place in Arizona, and it just brought me back to the whole um, Skinwalker Ranch and, you know, Utah and Arizona Mm -hmm. and all those places that have so much alien activity. It's ridiculous so yeah um travis was kind of what you call like a roughneck guy so he wasn't like he liked muscle cars rodeos he was outdoorsy he was also a lumberjack so like he was definitely a man's man kind of yeah, guy you know man man. he wasn't into like sci-fi and stuff like that so people couldn't really say oh well he made this up because you know he's such a UFO nerd, like if I got, yeah. like if, like if I got abducted by aliens, nobody would fucking believe me, because they'd be yeah. like, yeah, okay. okay. Sure, Amanda. <laughs> I swear! <laughs> yeah. So the town of Snowflake is also about 45 minute drive from the Apache National Forest, um, and this is where Travis was working as a logger. He would sometimes work with his best friend, Mike Rogers. So Mike had a contract with the National Forest Company to kind of like go in and um, cut these trees down and kind of make it, because they were having a lot of forest fires. So they had a deadline that they had to make and this will come up later. Um, they had to make this deadline in order for the contract that they had with the, with the National Forest Company to cut mm-hmm. down these trees. And that'll kind of come into play later. But this is who he was working for right now. He was working for basically his best friend, which was Mike Rogers. November 1975, Travis was on Mike's crew, and they were sent. They were they were set to cut down uh, 1,200 acres of like sick tre- like I said, sick trees. Trees that were already, you know, a dying. hazard because yeah. they were dying and they could catch fire super easily. So they were also there. Was five other men on this crew: Ken Peterson, Alan Dallas, John Gillette, and Dwayne Smith.
1: I thought you were
0: going to say Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> no, he and Steve Pierce. Yeah, The Rock. Uh, the men were; they weren't all like best friends, but they kind of hung out, you know. But it, it needs to be noted that they weren't all like. Best friends, so just Mike and Travis were best friends, and then they were, you know, just work friends. So this Mm -hmm. aren't these aren't people that would definitely lie for him at the drop of a hat. You know what I mean? Like I have work when I used to work, I had work friends, and I wouldn't have lied for any of them. So (laughs) we just worked together. Um, They were also trying to work quick, like I said, because they were trying to meet a deadline. And so on November 5th, around 6 o'clock, they all got off work and they all headed back down the mountain towards Snowflake and the town that they lived in. And they were all in Mike's truck. Travis was the passenger. He was in the passenger seat and the other guys were behind him in the back. And they were headed back down the road and it was, you know, getting dark. Travis saw something strange through the trees. It was a strange light. He wasn't the only one. Um, that saw this light, though, because all the men in the car also saw it. Travis said he thought that at first maybe it was just, like, the sun going down, but then he remembered that the sun had already went down because this was in November, so it was around the winter time, so it gets dark early. Yeah. Then he thought, well, maybe it's headlights or maybe he thought maybe there were some hunters out there that maybe did, like, a campfire or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was trying to rationalize every. Everything that he could think of as to why this light was out there. Sorry about that. Hold on. Mute. Okay. My computer. Yes, he was. Anyways. Um. So, yeah. He was trying to rationalize everything that he could think of. So, the light was so bright that it was starting to come onto the road and kind of like in front of the truck. So, as they got closer, it was you know, spilling over onto the road so they could tell that this was a a really bright light. It wasn't as dim as they thought it was. Eventually, the truck caught up with the light, and when they did, off to the right, a good distance from the road, they saw a UFO. Every single man in the car sees it because they, the truck was stopped, and they were only about 30 feet from this UFO. Mm It was just hovering about 15 feet above a pile of trees that were cut down. It had no noise, and it was shiny and had no doors. Travis said it looked like two two pie plates that were stacked together, sorry, with an upside-down bull on top. So, like, it had, like, rods coming out of the top of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Travis is in such amazement that he gets out of the truck and wants to get closer, and the other guys like start telling him you know what are you doing like get back in the truck yeah. um but he just keeps walking closer and closer to it. it he said it was almost like he was kind of drawn to it and he didn't want to like look away which is crazy because it reminds me of when we saw that UFO because we got, we got out of the truck like
1: Yeah.
0: we got out of the car which I was dumb out of the car. I'd be like, but oh, well, it was just it's... something about it like you just wanted to like See it. see it yeah it's weird yeah. it's a weird feeling um, as he gets closer and closer he can hear a beeping noises and sounds and he can also hear high and low pitch sounds <clears throat> he then is standing right under the UFO and all of a sudden he starts to hear like a deep rumble sound and the guys said later and the ones that were in the car they could hear this too it almost sounded like engines starting up or something like that so they kind of thought maybe it was the snub tick off yeah. Um. The UFO then started shaking a little. And Travis, at this point, was like, okay, I'm going to crouch behind this log. You know, I've kind of got to get away from it. Yeah. And he started to get scared. So he was like, okay, i got to like run back to the truck as quick as I can. So he stands up and gets ready to run back to the truck. Right before he decides to take off running, a beam of light that was blue shoots out of the UFO and electrocutes him. He feels it strike him in the head and the chest, and then he blacks out. The men in the truck later say that he flipped backwards about 8 feet, eight to 10 feet in the air. So it's like he got struck by lightning. So, yeah. They said that it even sounded and looked like a lightning bolt coming out of something. All of the men started screaming and, and freaking out. So, the men were like, Mike, Mike, I guess they were scared, obviously, and they thought maybe he was dead. So, Mike, like, punches it and starts, like, racing down the road. The men are screaming, you know, they're all freaking out. And then, all of a sudden, he gets to a barrier where the road is closed, Mike does. Mm -hmm. And Mike, at this point, keeps looking in the rearview mirror because he thinks that the spacecraft's following them. But when they get to this barrier, he realizes, okay, it's not following us anymore. The men realized that maybe they should go back for Travis because he could be, like, seriously injured. He could be dead. Uh, or maybe he could be gone. Maybe the UFO could have done something to him. So, they finally make it back to the spot. Um, when they get there, though, Travis was nowhere to be found or the UFO. Mike said he thought he was... He, Mike said he thought he saw that a, there was, like, a bright streak of light in the sky. Um... But he isn't sure whether or not he for sure saw that, you know. Yeah. Um, like, I guess he thought he saw, like, out of the corner of his eye, like, something streak off into the night sky.
1: So, like, they did, like, they uh, went away real quick? What? Like the UFO. The UFO I mean movie. obviously okay.
0: because that's what he said he thought, but he yeah. couldn't be sure. At this point the men were pretty sure that the UFO had took Travis because they don't they don't see how like he could have got up that quick and ran into the woods or whatever. So they decide to call the police. <clears throat> and so they get back down to the Bottom of the mountain. Mm -hmm. And this is about 7.30. And they pull over to... They don't make it to the town. They just decide to pull over to the first phone booth they see. So, they pull over to the first phone booth they see. Cam Peterson calls the Navajo County Sheriff's Office and says his friend is missing. He doesn't tell the police how or why he is missing. He just says that he's missing. And that's actually a pretty good idea because he said that, you know, if I would have told them... My A friend UFO. got abducted yeah. by an alien UFO craft. They were. would have been, been, been like, like um, uh, "Okay, okay. Mom, <laughs> what have you been drinking?" You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. And when look for him, yeah. When the deputy uh, Chuck Ellison shows up at the spot, the men, uh, like where the men stopped at, they were still yeah. at the phone booth. He can tell that they are like, some they've seen something like pretty shocking because he said that they were all shaking their eyes were bloodshot from crying some of the men were crying Mm -hmm. and like i said these are not men that cry like these are these are lumberjacks i mean they don't cry just because of anything they tell him the whole story and he, he when they tell him the whole story when he shows up there they um so after they tell him the story ellison the deputy doesn't think that they're lying, but because he doesn't know really anything about UFOs or anything like that, so he can't. You know, he can't be sure. I mean, yeah. obviously. Um. Maybe so he, he calls,
1: thought They got a little too high.
0: So. Yeah, things, that's why they got red eyes. So Ellison calls um, the sheriff Gillespie and tells him the like the whole story over the phone. He also tell he also told another deputy. Um, to go to Travis's house to see, like, you know, if he's actually there. He wanted to see if maybe he was pranking them or something like that. Mm -hmm. About 30 minutes later, after they realized that Travis was not at his house, so it didn't take them very long to get to his house, that's what I was thinking, uh, the sheriff and the undersheriff named Ken Copeland, so he's, like, the sheriff, I guess, that's in training, because that's why it says undersheriff, Mm -hmm. um, show up on the scene. Sheriff Gillespie doesn't put up with like any nonsense but right away he doesn't believe that the men are lying because of how scared and shocked that they were so he's not a guy like that believes in aliens or anything like that but just the amount of fear that was in their faces he was like there's no way that they're lying about this which is pretty crazy to me so they
1: must have been really scared then
0: i mean yeah if i saw you get like flipped up in the air i would probably shit my pants
1: yeah um have to pick you back up off the ground.
0: He also... So, the sheriff had also told the guys that he had heard about UFO sightings before in the area and stuff like that. So, it wasn't too far-fetched for him, but he had never heard of an abduction, you know, thus far. Yeah. However, he isn't really... Um, so, since... Since the men were so shaken and everything, he decides to go back to take everybody back to the spot where it happened. So all three officers, Ken, Mike, and Alan, they all head back to the spot where Travis was last seen. And they find no Travis, obviously, no footprints, no evidence to show that there was even a UFO anywhere in the area. But you gotta remember all the trees were already cut down, kind of, so there wouldn't be any trees, you know. Uh, knocked over and I felt like that. And
1: so after... I don't think UFOs have been reported to do that. Have they?
0: No. Not that I know of. I mean, there's crop circles and things like that. Yeah, but... but. um, So after being there for like a few hours, they decide they're just going to pick the search back up in the morning because it's getting too dark and too late. So the... Policemen um, Copeland and Ellison they drive to Travis's mother's house, Mary, to tell her like your son's missing because they they need to inform the family obviously and something has happened like that they can't explain so they don't really want to tell her you know your son got abducted so but something an happened and we don't we're not really sure what it is. So, she is a single mom of six, and she lives alone in the mountains, in, like, the mountain region area, but she doesn't live that far from Snowflake and where, uh, Travis lives. So, once they are there, they tell her, and then they decide to kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, what? Leisurely tell her the story? Uh, So, kind of just...
1: A hint upon it, I guess. So Um. she finally like
0: realizes, okay, they're talking about aliens or you know whatever. But she's not freaking out; like she's super calm, almost like in shock, almost like too calm.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's she's so calm and it's unusual, like they basically told her, "Yeah, your son, we think he was abducted by an alien, like a UFO."
1: Yeah.
0: So it was so weird to the. the undersheriff, Copeland, that he makes a mental note of it and her behavior because it was just like really suspicious, and he wasn't sure if maybe okay this seems like a setup, or has this happened before? You know to yeah. the family.
1: Like she knew. She's yeah. Like, yeah, I called them. He was acting bad. So he yeah. Was, he needed his lesson.
0: <laughs> so the men drive her to her daughter's house, Allison. And they call Travis's older brother, uh, Dwayne. So Dwayne is like the older brother. And he's like the headstrong brother of the whole group as well. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, November 6th, they decide to start the search in the, in earnest, which is the, where the logging place is. And after about 50 men, they gather, they all spread out and start their search.
1: What was that sound? I don't know. Did you hear that? I'm creeped out. I keep looking <laughs> around. I'm like, uh-huh. I noticed you're, like, not even over here looking. Hi. Yeah, continue. <laughs> I'm just, like, looking around.
0: It's not like we're in the middle of the forest. There's a forest.
1: It's op- just weird. Those apartments neighbors are so creepy.
0: Our par- like the them. apartment complex? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I don't like how close they are. That's weird.
0: I know. That's, like, the only drawback to this house was when we bought it the apartments being like right there pretty close Yeah. but they don't really bother anybody but like someone's watching us. yeah um so after searching all day of course they find nothing because we know that travis got abducted by aliens they don't know that yet friday they search and they find nothing again then saturday then sunday And by Sunday, the 8th, they have added helicopters, men on horseback, and planes to fly overhead to, like, make sure that the helicopters aren't missing anything. Mm -hmm. But, obviously, still nothing. Now word has gotten around that there might actually be an alien abduction in the area, and people from all over, of course, have come out to see even, like, UFO experts and just people Mm -hmm. that are, like, into UFOs and aliens. They finally end the search on November 9th. Uh, That Sunday. And the police, by this point, have spent $10,000 trying to put forth the effort to find Travis. So, they put a lot of money into this. At this point, the police start thinking, okay, is this story even true? Maybe the men killed Travis and this story is just like a cover-up. Maybe one of them killed him and they're trying to help. Everyone thinks the crewmen need to take a lie detector test to rule this out and the theory like of them covering up for a murder and it has to be said yet again like i've said in the past that lie detector tests are never accurate so just keep that in mind and they're not always a good idea (laughs) um
1: and in the 1970s
0: yeah in the 1970s they weren't reliable at all um, because they had pretty much just, not just came out with them, but, you know, it just wasn't that great technology. The crew, however, wanted to prove that they were innocent, so they agreed to a lie detector test. And Monday, November 10th, they headed to the courthouse to take the test. Um, Cy, Gips, Gil, Cy Gilson was the examiner. That was, like, giving the men the test. Gilson asked them all the same questions, and the last question would always be, every time he would ask the men, did you tell the truth about actually seeing a UFO last Wednesday when Travis Walton disappeared? All the men passed the test except for one, Alan Dallas. Now, it should be noted that he actually walked out midway through his test, Um, we're not completely sure, like, why he walked out or why he left, but it was said that maybe the examiner had, like, pushed some buttons and, like, kind of made him think that the exam- it made Dallas think that the examiner, like, believed that they were murderers, you know? Yeah. So he kind of just got pissed and left. So his test came back inconclusive since, obviously, he didn't finish it, but all the other men completely passed and were proven innocent, and no murder was- proven to have happened. Sheriff Gillespie sees no, uh, sees now that it's definitely their UFO story seems to be, like, pretty true. And even if the guy, like, all the other guys pass, so, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Now, if, like, one, one of, or two of them didn't, (laughs) it'd be like, "Mm, that's suspicious. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But all of them, that's pretty rare.
0: But also, you got to remember, lie detector tests are not always great. Um, That night, though, the 10th, that Sunday, Mm -hmm. or Monday, they get, Travis's sister gets a call, and who calls her? Well, Travis. Travis? Yep. Her husband, Grant, picks up the phone, and there's a man on the other end, and the operator says... Hey, I've got someone calling collect. Do you want to patch them through? And he was like, "Sure." And little, do we know? It's Travis. Oh, and he says, whiz. "Hey, I need a ride home." <laughs> yeah. So where Travis, where was he? I'll, I will get there. Mm-hmm. So Travis is back home and he is going to finally be able to tell what happened to him and where he went. He says when he wakes up on the forest floor. So this is like what he remembers. He said he wakes up on the forest floor and the first thing he remembers is seeing a spacecraft above him. And it seems this one is a little bit bigger than the last one that he saw before he passed out. It is hovering above him for a little while and then it just takes off into the night in the blink of an eye. After he stumbles to his feet, he is weak and his chest hurts and he's having like a lot of chest pain, but he thinks it seems to be like he he thinks okay maybe that's from when i got struck by lightning or whatever that yeah. was you know um he starts walking in the direction that he remembers and he is still wearing the same clothes that he was wearing he thinks that he is okay but he said that um it's been like he could tell that it had been like a few hours or he thought it had only been a few hours and He said, okay, I gotta, like, get... I gotta find my bearings and kind of get back home. Mm -hmm. So, he thinks that he's only been,
1: like, away for a couple
0: hours. hours, or He probably thought, okay, these douchebags just left me here. Yeah. You know, because I would be too. He eventually makes his way to a payphone, and he calls his sister. His brother-in-law picks up the phone, like we said, and his brother-in-law and his brother-in-law's brother, okay, (laughs) pick him up from... Where, where he's at and the first thing that the men say that they notice is that he looks like he's lost weight Travis claims later that he yes he in fact actually did lose about 10 pounds mm-hmm. keep in mind he was only gone for 5 days so he actually lost about 10 pounds he also what's his secret has a lot, yeah he also has a lot of facial hair like more facial hair than he did before yeah. he left Dwayne his brother checks him out and makes sure he doesn't have any injuries when they get back to the mother's house Mary, The only thing that he can find is there's a red dot on the inside of his right elbow. But other than that, he seems completely fine. The red dot, however, kind of looks like a puncture wound, like from a large needle or something like that. Mm. Travis has no idea how it got there, but it wouldn't be too far-fetched to say that, okay, maybe it was from, you know, him being a lumberjack because he could have got stuck by a stick or, you know, something like that. Or he was probed. Or he was probed. I'm going with that one. Um, he also, he also has no bruises or burns or anything from like where he got hit. And you remember? I mean, they said he got hit and like flew back like eight, ten feet. So I can't believe he doesn't have any like burns or
1: bruises or
0: anything. Like or you know, dead. I mean, I don't know. Um, on the outside, he looks completely fine. However, psychologically, he is a complete mess. He keeps talking about seeing creatures with whitish gray skin and huge eyes. The family keeps asking him if he is okay or hurting, but he keeps saying, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Dwayne decides to not call. Um, I mean, well, yeah, he does, but Dwayne decides not to tell anyone that he's back yet and
1: like the the, um, the cops police and yeah and
0: he decides to not call the police. Because of Travis's state of mind, he isn't really like all there is mm-hmm. what he thinks. Um, and this decision seems like it might be a mistake later on because if there's nothing to hide, like why would you not call the police? Yeah. It just makes it harder for people to believe you.
1: Well, I can't understand because he's been through a lot. Yeah, I kind of do. I guess he'd be like, "I don't want police officers questioning you." Yeah. Well, also, there
0: was tons of reporters everywhere because it had gotten out. The word had gotten out about this, and there was a massive search. So, I guess he didn't want like reporters in his face, and Travis didn't really want reporters either.
1: Um, I would just want to sleep if that happened to me. I'd be like, I just want to sleep. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, Dwayne. His brother, um, mm-hmm. insisted he knew what was best for Travis and that they weren't gonna call the police and, and all that. So <clears throat> excuse me, hold on.
1: <coughs> Talk, I need water. Oh okay. ah. Well, I I think that was a good idea that he did like let him stay home. Yeah. And if he sees all those like I wanna, well, see, I wanna know what they look like.
0: Some of the, like, UFO experts that were around in the area, they said that, um, like, they were telling the family, they would call them, and they'd be like, if he does come back or if he does show up or whatever, don't call the police because they're going to call the government or the government's going to find out and they're going to try to just shut it down, you know. They're not going to want him to speak or anything like that. So, with all that being said, Dwayne decides to take Travis to Phoenix in the middle of the night he is trying to get him to a doctor to do like a full examination in private and so that way it won't draw a lot of attention to him. However, the cops already know something is up because the operator that like put through the call, the collect call, they called the police and they said that someone had called the family at midnight from payphone. So they're like, okay, that's suspicious. Sheriff Gillespie is almost sure that it's Travis and he sends deputies um, to dust the phones for fingerprints but from what they can tell the fingerprints don't seem to match Travis's which isn't that big of a deal on November 11th Travis and his brother have made it to Phoenix and when they do Dwayne decides okay it's time to call the sheriff so he does and Travis he tells him like Travis is back But he tells him that he is at a private hospital in Tulsa, Arizona. So, he lies to him because he's not at a private hospital. Which was kind of dumb because at that point, you would think that the sheriff would be thinking, okay, did he go off on like a drug bender or something and he's in rehab or something like that? Dwayne keeps... Dwayne gets him to the doctor. Sorry, my throat throat) is like... Dying over here. I promise I don't have the wrong. Um. You're so thirsty. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways. Okay. Dwayne gets him to the doctor, and
1: every time he say that name, Dwayne. I think of Dwayne Johnson.
0: Oh, it's a specialist who specializes in abductions, and actually, there's somebody that um he got in touch with, like from the UFO specialist and all mm-hmm. that. I guess maybe they had told him, hey, if your brother comes back, you need to take him to these people. They're called... I
1: taking them to them.
0: Yeah, they're called... They're called APRO. This is the name of the, like, doctors and the organization, I guess you could say. It's called APRO. As far as the doctors can tell, Travis is physically fine. Everything looks great. He doesn't show any signs of starvation or dehydration, which... Seems weird because he had lost ten pounds, but there wasn't any signs of that mm. in his urine. And also, if he was like on drugs or just in the woods for five days, like he would be severely dehydrated and all that.
1: Mm.
0: Sheriff Gillespie finally comes. So this this time they've made it like back to Dwayne's house, and after the doctors do their examination, so he finally comes to Dwayne's house that night. Um, because he found out where Travis was, Travis was there, which the sheriff obviously is, like, really pissed off, and honestly, I don't blame him because of all the manpower and everything and the money that they put into searching yeah. for Travis, so I kind of, I can see it both ways, kind of. Travis starts telling him about what happened when he was gone, and He can see that when he gets to the part about, like, the creatures and everything and starts to explain that, he's, like, losing the sheriff. The sheriff's, like, you know, thinks, okay, this is bullshit, you know. Travis finally says he wants to take a lie detector test to prove that he isn't lying, but he wants to do it in private because he doesn't want to get the media involved, and the sheriff agrees. Before Travis takes the polygraph test, the National Enquirer wants to talk to him, though it turns out that the APRO doctors actually work for the National Enquirer, and that's how they found out about Travis. The Enquirer offers to put Dwayne and Travis up in a hotel and pay for all the scientific tests, like, testing. Mm -hmm. In exchange, they want an exclusive story. So the National Enquirer, at this point, they're, like, pretty intense on the alien scope, and... It reminded me of Men in Black because uh, in that movie, like, the first one, I think, they talk about the National Enquirer and how they're always, like, pinpointing mm-hmm. aliens. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that was funny. So I was like, That's oh, cool. look at there. <laughs> A
1: clue. A, A
0: coincidence?
1: <laughs> I think not. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I just thought it was really funny. Um, So Travis didn't want all the press, you know, but one of the reporters said that they were going to pay him a thousand dollars and it seemed as though like she was kind of in the background you know it seemed it seems as though Dwayne was the one calling all the shots so I think his brother really wanted to do this more than he did because he says constantly that he didn't want any press you know all this stuff Um, Things get a little weird after this. On November 13th, the men check into the Scottsdale Sheraton Hotel. And there were tons of National Enquirer reporters. The APRO was there. And even UFO experts who had flown in to do more tests on Travis. Uh, At this point... Ooh, I went too far. True. True. Travis still has not... Fully told his story to anyone, so the only thing he's told, you know, is what I've said. He remembers the creatures and waking up in the woods and all that. The inquirer knows how to work around this, though, um, because they've hired an ex or they've brought in an expert hypnosis to try to hypnotize him. Some psychologists say that hypnosis can sometimes create memories instead of helping remember things that actually happen. However, it is used a lot in abduction cases. So, a lot of experts believe that, okay, you're actually creating a memory and you're not actually remembering what really happened. And you're just creating it as like a dream kind of, you know. Um, but I know people that have been hypnotized and to try to remember past trauma mm-hmm. so that they can get over it and... It's stuff that has actually happened. So I don't know. Um, However, the expert puts him under. And while all the reporters are there, Travis starts remembering exactly what happened to him.
1: Mm.
0: So this is what he says. He remembers laying on a table in a white room with the ceiling shape kind of like a triangle. His shirt is not off, but it is raised up, and there's this medical instrument that he doesn't recognize attached to his chest. He thinks at first that he's in the ER because he remembers, you know, getting struck by the beam of electricity or yeah. whatever. So he thinks, okay, I'm in the hospital. He's kind of groggy. All of a sudden, he sees three non-human figures in the room next to him. They are short, hairless beings with oversized head heads and dark uh black eyes their skin is a white grayish color and they have long fingers with no fingernails
1: my god it's what's his name from America from american guy or american uh horror story i have no idea what you're talking about um what's it called i don't know American, American Dad, like American, American Dad, American Dad. His name. Oh. He probed him. It's Roger. <laughs> it's Roger. Yeah, Roger. It's okay. Hold like I was like American. What? Uh, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, that continue. Does, <laughs> that does <laughs> sound like Roger. Just Roger's like, Hold still. <laughs> okay. Um, gonna do a little prick here. You'll be fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry.
1: Sorry. So but it sounds like that. Travis
0: decides to get up, try to get up off the table, but he realizes that he really can't move because it seems that he's been, like, drugged or something like that. He's very weak also. He then, when he tries to get up, like, he starts having, like, severe pain in his head. So he tries to, like, grab a piece of, like, a beaker or something like that Mm -hmm. and break it to try to like use it as a shiv I guess and he's trying to like fight his way out of this room he starts walking um around like I imagine like you know come at me bro with yeah. this like shiv and the creatures just look at him and then they just leave the room and I think that's funny cause it's like they're just like oh, Aw, we gotta go <laughs> we'll be back we <laughs> so oh,
1: made him angry
0: yeah he's mad We'll just come back later. He's like an animal. uh, When they walk out of the room, though, he starts, like, he walks out the room as well. The door is just left wide open. He remembers that there's a curved hallway, and he followed them, but they are, like, nowhere to be found. Like, he tried to follow them where they were, but Mm -hmm. he couldn't. He wanders into a small room with one chair. As he moves towards the chair, the walls around him seem to be getting darker and stars start appearing through the walls, almost like he is in outer space in this spacecraft and probably could have been. All of a sudden, a human man, a human man. Yeah, give it a minute. All of a sudden, a human man walks into the room. He is a tall, handsome man with thick blonde hair. He is wearing a clear helmet, and his eyes look really weird. They're kind of like a bright hazel color, mm. almost like an unreal color, a color that he's never seen before. A vampire.
1: Yeah. A vampire.
0: This human male takes Travis by the arm and leads him out of the room into another door. Since the man looks like a human, Travis is kind of put at ease at this point, and he's like, okay, I'll follow this guy. The man doesn't answer him when he asks him, Where are you taking me? They pass the hangar where all the UFOs are. So they're in this big open hangar and there's UFOs everywhere. And yeah. it kind of reminds me of like Star Wars. Yeah, that's what, like I'm sort of what I envisioned. Um, and they make it to a smaller room where there are three other humans waiting as well. They all look exactly the same. The males all look exactly the same. They have the same hair color and the same features, but there is one female. She helps Travis lay down on the table and tries to soothe him, and the last thing he remembers is some type of oxygen mask being put on his face. Almost like, you know, the oxygen mask that they put on your face when they're counting you down in surgery. Uh, okay. And then he, next thing he knows is he wakes up. At this point, the hypnosis is over, and the story is finally out of what happened to Travis. Travis is also able to remember what he saw and what happened. So, you know, at this point, he's like, okay, that's what happened. So, yeah.
1: What?
0: That's Maybe what they're happened. making their own
1: humans. No.
0: <clears throat> what I think is they... Hold
1: on. <coughs> they got out of the room and they, like, they... put on a disguise?
0: <clears throat> yeah. They realized, they were like, oh, Okay. He needs stuff. He's scared. scared, yeah. Of us, so we're going to look like him. That's why they all looked the same, you know what I mean? That could be him. Yeah. <clears throat> That's definitely what I think. So, where am I? After got
1: oh, done, the got done. Oh, the next morning,
0: away. yeah. So, after he got done, the next morning, um, he has to go take that polygraph test that the sheriff's office said that they would give him. So, November 14th, he is scheduled to take the test, and he wanted to do it in private, remember? No reporters. Well, as he was leaving his house, someone called him, like a reporter called him, and asked him to make a comment about the test he's supposed to take, about the lie detector test. Mm-hmm. Travis tells the sheriff, at this point, I'm not coming to do this. You promised that there wouldn't be any reporters, and <clears throat> obviously you lied because somehow they found out about the polygraph test. Which, I didn't really understand that because I was like, you just talked to the National Enquirer. They're going to post a story about you anyways. so what does it matter if these people find out about this polygraph test? Anyways, whatever. Maybe he didn't
1: want all of them outside <coughs> he thought he was going to be nervous and he'll fail the test.
0: Maybe, I don't know. They go back to the hotel, and because the National Enquirer has flown in, like, psychiatrists and things like that to evaluate Travis, it makes... To make his claim stronger, they also want to do their own lie detector test. The psychiatrists, however, are completely against this idea because they work, <clears throat> they don't think that it'll work. Because, so when you take a polygraph test, you're supposed to, you know, be calm and all that stuff. And yeah. if you're under stress, it can mess with the results.
1: And also, I feel like if you answered a question, let's say if you murdered or you didn't murder your wife and your wife is missing Mm -hmm. and you keep thinking, okay, I got to stay calm, I got to stay calm. Mm -hmm. And the question comes up to you, your heart's going to beat faster because you're going to be like, okay, here's the question. Yeah, You're already in. Remember, be calm because you didn't do it, you know?
0: You're already stressed just because your wife's missing. So, you know, yeah. And This guy's already stressed. stressed So, they make a deal with Travis and that National Enquirer says, okay, if you fail the test, we won't post the results. Travis says, okay. He takes the test and to everyone's surprise, Travis is lying, apparently, because he failed the test. But the psychiatrists say, like I said, that that doesn't mean anything because of the amount of stress that he was under when he took it. It's just ridiculous to think that he would pass with flying colors. A pile I A went too far. <laughs> um so on December 16th, 1975, they published Travis's story he told when he was like under hypnosis. Um they published that story and they write mm-hmm. it up. Then in February 1976, Travis and Dwayne and his mother Mary take a polygraph test, and they all pass with flying colors. These results mm-hmm. get published, and after the police are done with this like craziness, they're like done with this story. Like they drop it. That's the end. They don't want to hear any more about it. Yeah. And you kind of don't hear anything after that. However, Philip Class. So, this is a guy that, he's like a avid debunker. Like, that's what he does. He looks up cases, and he's been doing this for like four decades now. He's been doing yeah. this for four decades. So, he looks up cases, and he tries to like dig deep into every little detail of these alien abductions to try to be like, yeah, this is why this happened, this is why this happened, blah, 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 blah. Some people think he like works for the government because they don't want, you know, People believe in there's aliens out there, yeah. or at this point they didn't. Now they don't really care. They're like, oh, yeah, we saw, like, five the other day. <laughs> it's great. And we're well, all just we, all like, yeah. COVID! Oh, my God! Yeah. I think <laughs> so. that's why the only
1: reason, because they're like, oh, they're too busy to worry about them. Yeah. right
0: now. They've got COVID, and they're losing their jobs, so we'll just throw aliens in there. Um, but little do they know, we've known for
1: forever. Ever. ever. For, literally, <laughs> when it came out, we were all just like, yeah, guys, we know.
0: Yeah.
1: It's okay. Nobody
0: really even cared. Um... In, 19, six, in 1976, sorry, not 67, I was going backwards. Um, Time travel. Philip Class, this guy, this douchebag, mm-hmm. I call him a douchebag because he kind of is, he started looking into the case and soon gathered enough evidence to say that the story was completely false. He finds an interview with Mike Rogers, you know, Travis's best friend who was yeah. like the guy, where he says that, This is like the fourth day after Travis had went missing. On tape, he says that him and his crew were behind on the logging contract and he hoped that maybe they will forgive his lateness since Travis had disappeared. Travis's brother also says a comment to like one of the UFO um, specialists or whatever. He says that... He knows for sure Travis was abducted by a UFO because he actually saw the same spacecraft when he was a teen. Obviously, Philip Class thinks that the whole story was set up for like the logging company, but what? like you know, they set all yeah, this up because like, they needed why? the extra time why to would finish the contract. That
1: length, <laughs> exactly. That's um, like too much. That's too much energy.
0: Yeah, and, like, where was he? Because he wasn't at anybody's house. And there was detectives
1: and everything looking at evidence. They would have seen, oh, here he is right here. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's going over there. Like, they didn't see anything.
0: He says that Travis and Dwayne were both into, like, UFOs and things like that. So maybe that's where they came up with the idea. There was a movie that was aired, I think, on NBC. Or CBS. I think it was NBC. Um like a week, a couple weeks before this, and it was about Betty and Barney Hill and their alien encounter that they had. That's another famous one. We'll have to do that one too. Yeah. And um, they claimed that they saw creatures with gray, they were like grayish white aliens and they had big eyes. Mm-hmm. So, class also talks to the examiner that gave um, Travis the failed test. First of all, he finds out that Travis failed the test because nobody had known that because the National Enquirer had closed that, you know, and not let that loose. But he talks to this examiner, and examiner's like, yeah, he failed. Um, It wasn't due to so-called stress because he definitely was just lying. Phillips' accusations all come out in a 17-page debunked, like, Mm -hmm. story, script thing that he writes and puts out there... He also sends it to the UFO organization and all the skeptics, like in the debunking sites and things like that. And I don't know what
1: their group has. This called. guy ever said that a UFO sighting was real? Maybe he is working for the government. He's just, or he's I don't know. literally just pulling everything out of his ass because he doesn't he doesn't want to believe it. Yeah, I
0: have no idea. The National Enquirer. And the APRO doctors said that they, said they um, threw out the results of the polygraph, I couldn't think. They threw out the results of the polygraph because the examiner's questions didn't seem really fair and also... They didn't like, like, his methods. I think he was trying to, like, really
1: dig for too much information or something like that. It's weird because, like, if I told you I ate a sandwich, a peanut butter sandwich, three days ago, and you're like, I'm gonna find out. And if you were gonna dig and look for evidence to saying that it's not real you're gonna find evidence somehow and some say, well really yeah. well the the toilet wasn't flushed i didn't three see days ago so i you didn't, didn't take see. a shit
0: yeah. i didn't see a peanut butter knife in the sink
1: the well, peanut butter fuck cup me, was me i not washed it yet. off <laughs> like
0: yeah like you're gonna you're i gonna used find other out. peanut butter yeah. calm down <laughs> like what It's just a sandwich. Um, Anyways, so, yeah. He just seems like a douchebag. And there was actually, like, an interview with him and Mike and Travis. I think they were on, like, Larry King or something like that. I don't remember. And he was getting, like, so upset. Like, super upset about them trying to be like, no, dude, we really did see all this we don't really care if you believe us or not but whatever like he was getting really upset so that's another reason why people thought maybe he was working for the government because he was just trying so hard to cover it up you know
1: yeah
0: in july 1976 after class published his findings the inquirer gives the crew five thousand dollars because they have like the best ufo story of the year in 1978, Travis writes his first book. 1985, the screenwriter—I um, can't remember the screenwriter's name—but he decides to look into making this movie called *Fire in the Sky*. And then, like I said, in 1993, they actually put the movie out. In February 1993, Travis, Mike, and Alan—all, yeah—Travis, um, Mike, and Alan Dallas—all retook a polygraph test yet again and passed. Philip Class has also said that um like ever since then he, they, he said they're, they're lying like completely like I think to this day he probably thinks they're still lying now one thing that's weird is in July 31st uh, 2008 Travis appears on a game show called Moment of Truth so This game show, they give them lie detector tests off camera. Yeah. And they ask them questions. And then on camera, they ask them the same question. And if they're lying, they don't get the money. But if they're not lying, they do get the money, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, Travis was asked off camera were you abducted by a ufo on uh november 5th 1975 he says yes and he said yes when the guy asked him that on camera Mm -hmm. and he could hear off camera that the answer was false and then the guy was like that answer is not true you're lying Travis was completely upset about this and, like, really shocked because, obviously, his family's sitting there. All these people all over hear this. Um, So, the first thing he does when he gets home from this game show, obviously, he loses the game show. But Mm -hmm. the first thing he does when he gets home is he takes another polygraph test and he passes. So, yeah. That just proves that polygraph tests do not... Are not accurate because... I don't think they're,
1: like... Because
0: they just... I mean, he over the years he's probably I counted it up. I think he's taken that I know of. He's taken like six polygraph tests. Him and other people, and some of them come out that he is telling the truth. Some of them come out that are. It's also like based off of like the examiner, like whoever's giving the exam yeah. and the kind of questions they're asking too. Because sometimes examiners can like ask tricky questions where it could either be a yes or a no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, anyways, I don't know, but I believe his story, he says to this day, that's pretty much it, um, but he says to this day that that definitely happened. He remembers everything, like I and said. And also, why
1: would they lie? There's too much evidence, like, how could they not find evidence of him, like, if it was just he walking was just away. Like, they they yeah, Walking away. They didn't even find away. any
0: footprints. Yeah. Like, where did he, did he just float up in the air and, Yeah. You know. They were like, um, get on
1: this screen and let's go.
0: (laughs) I mean, I guess he's pretty good at covering his tracks, but they still had had dogs out there. I mean.
1: Yeah, where how did he lose those 10 pounds? Yeah, they they would have picked up
0: his scent, you know, if he walked off. Um, I still don't know how he lost all that weight. And then also,
1: he didn't want to talk about it at all. Like, if he you know and it was seven guys if it was a story he would have gone straight to the police and been like hey, there was, yeah I saw this
0: yeah there were seven guys in the car with them when they saw this going on and all of them took the polygraph test and passed you know yeah so I'm just like eh no I believe a story it's a crazy ass story though like could you imagine Mm-mm.
1: I wouldn't sleep for days I'd be afraid like Also I love
0: I would want to know <laughs> he what they said did said
1: that they That like he opened his eyes And the craft was still there And then it left It made me think like Just the aliens were like Hang on let's just see if he wakes up for a minute And he's fine Okay come on yeah. We gotta make oh, sure God. we didn't kill him Alright let's Is go Is he okay <laughs> Oh he's waking up He's fine guys let's go okay. yeah. He's all wrapped right. He's getting up, he's a little wobbly. It did
0: remind me of Roger though. <laughs> when you said that I was like, Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> Roger. Roger's like probing him. Just want your organs for a minute. And that's yeah. what that's what Roger was doing. <laughs> he's like, Oh, hang on guys, just let me see if he's okay. <laughs> he's kinda handsome. <laughs> All right, he's good, let's go.
0: He's my favorite character from America's
1: American Dad. 'Cause it's literally I short. Think, I was gray. like American. What the Yeah. Fuck? What are I you was like about? and then I started like da, 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 Yeah, da, and no. then I still
0: didn't get it. I was like, I don't know. No, no.
1: Yeah, sure, I don't understand. Then I was like, Yeah, you know, family i related
0: And then I yeah, and then I got it. So anyways, yeah. That's the story of Travis Walton. Um I hope you guys enjoyed this story. I thought it wasn't going to be that long, but it actually ended up being pretty long. Of course, I almost choked to death a few times, so, you know, we yeah. had a pause.
1: <laughs> had a water break. It finally started. I don't know raining. what was
0: going on. I think it's that fan out here underneath the...
1: We're all, we are outside and it's cold. So. It's gotten
0: colder since it rained a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't that cold, but now it's gotten colder. That
1: scared the shit out of me.
0: <laughs> Dude, you, see, you scared us. <laughs> My husband, like, looked through the door, looked through the sliding glass door at us all creepily. I'm glad he didn't do that while we were talking about it. I thought that aliens. was just a random
1: guy. Just like...
0: Inside my house? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> like, I go to the extreme, okay? <laughs> someone's, like, broke in. someone's broken! Someone's <laughs> broken! The guy, he's come to murder us. Okay. I thought, Anyways. Oh, it's your husband.
0: <laughs> We've rambled. All right, well, we hope that you guys have a fantastic day and we may do a Wednesday episode, I'm just not sure. But we'll probably just do what I don't know. We might talking in
1: that magic black box?
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to get shots. <laughs> I don't know if anybody heard that. Anyways, um, We might do a Wednesday episode. I don't know. It just depends on how the week goes. Um, But if not, we'll definitely have one for you guys next week. We might do a vampire. Yeah, there's a vampire serial murderer story. I don't know if he's a serial killer or just a vampire.
1: I think I know what you're talking about.
0: I can't think of his name right now. But anyways. all right. well, we hope that you guys have a great night. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And... Like I said at the beginning, go to our social media, follow us, like us. We love you. Thanks. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.